happy Sunday, Ash. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, we just been doing a lot of cleaning today. Um, not really any interesting stories to tell there. So I'm just going to say doing well. How about you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty well, too. Um, have taken it easy today. It's been crazy hot outside, which I am not a fan of. Um, the thunderstorms have been popping up around here and there. Um, not quite giving us their full force. Tomorrow might be worse. So we'll find out um, if I keep my power for any degree of time. Um, we have a Creative Cloud Partner Days coming up in a couple of days, which by the time we get around to editing and posting and, and all this stuff will have been in the past for dear listener. Um, but um, I'm hoping that because uh, there's thunderstorms in the forecast, I'm hoping I don't lose power during any of that because that would be embarrassing to lose power in the middle of a talk. Um but otherwise, I've been um, doing good. I started playing um, the new uh, the Star Trek game, um, Star Trek uh, Shoot, now Resurgence. <laughs> um, I was like, Star Trek Shoot sounds like not very Star Trek-y, to be honest, but okay. <laughs> uh, it, right? Although, I don't know. Sometimes um, we've been, I've been binge watching um, Enterprise, um, and we just finished up season three with all the Zindi plot points and then got into uh, the first part of season four. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of shooting going on in Enterprise seasons three and four. Yeah, that that's the one that I'm like a lot of people. I really struggle with that series. I'm still in my <laughs> rewatch of Deep Space Nine now into season six, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah, since uh, Strange New Worlds. Season two just Strange started. Strange new world. Yeah, we're uh, we're two episodes into the season, so that's at least an hour of my watching time in a given week. Uh, right. Spoken for for the next while. Oh yes, I don't know about you, but I was I I I I, I enjoyed the first season or first season, the first episode of season two. I love the first season, um, but I must say I really adored adored the most recent episode, um, the with the 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 trial of uh, number one. Um, that was some, that was some good stuff. <laughs> it was really good. And I mean, there's parts of it too, that feel like this is very Trekkie in a way where it's like, you have people sitting around talking mm -hmm. about regulations, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, um, more open rights and freedom for different types of folks in the Federation. Mm -hmm. And, um, it wasn't sort of just a bunch of shoot 'em up kind of things like some of the newer star treks sometimes veer into mm -hmm. so yeah the first one was a lot of fun it's just like hey here's klingons this is great <laughs> uh but yeah that second episode was something else i really oh, enjoyed it yes and um i'm i'm very much looking forward towards like i i don't know i, I feel like um I, I have enjoyed every star trek series to this point i've had my quibbles with all of them but um like i I've enjoyed even the first seasons of Picard and the first few of Discovery. And like, I, I, if, if Star Trek is on the air, I'm, I'm going to take it. Like, I, 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 I'm happy that Star Trek is on the air. Um, but um, I, Strange New World is just hitting me in all the right feels. And like, it reminds me so much of like, like Star Trek has ne or good Star Trek never shies away from speaking to the problems we have today. And I'm I'm really happy that they're continuing that trend. <laughs> Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, that's a that's like classic sci-fi is like holding up the problems of the day or the issues of the day through a some sort of like futuristic or some sort of, you know, 
kind of different lens, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's highly relevant to so much that's going on right now. Um, yeah. so yeah, what a, what a great time to be a Star Trek fan and, um, we're just inundated with content. Um, <laughs> Indeed. And and like Strange New Worlds is good. The the game that I just mentioned, Star Trek Resurgence, I have I don't know how far I am through it. I get the feeling I'm probably about a maybe a third of the way through it. It's pretty good. If it's more like um if you like the telltale style of games, um it's not like a first person first person shooter, although there is a little spots where you kind of have that feel. Um, but it is heavily story driven, um, very narrative. Uh, focused. Um, it has some uh, really cool reveals that I won't spoil. Um, but if you have a system that can play it, I don't shame on me for not knowing all the systems, but I know I'm pretty sure it's on Xbox and I know it's on Xbox because that's what I'm playing it on. Um, I think it's on PlayStation, but um, it is it is a, a nice game um, to pick up and, and play. Um, so I've been enjoying that as well. Well, cool. Probably something that's like fun on you know these crazy sort of like summer stormy weekends mm -hmm. uh, for myself i i uh, spent some time indoors just kind of hacking um i got a new mac maybe we'll talk about that another time i don't <laughs> want to get into it right now because i think we have more interesting things to talk about at the moment um but between getting that set up and playing with some more ai stuff uh on this new mac um, yes it's been it's been a lot of fun uh the one thing i will say is just like going from a 2019 Intel laptop to a uh, 2023 M2 desktop. That's a big jump. <laughs> it was wild for, I mean, we talked just a bit earlier before we started recording, but the 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 jump in, uh, I don't think it's compile times, generation times, I guess, in Diffusion B was wild. <laughs> I was like, okay, now I finally understand how people can like, tolerate diffusion b right it's, it's it's fantastic but wow on on a 2019 intel laptop is so slow it was minutes in the making for oh, anything no. interesting so um <laughs> yeah now it's it's i'm like oh okay i get it this is usable yes i i, I mean the first time i got hold of an m1 and I, yours yours would be an m2 i'm assuming mm -hmm. um i just like I have an actual recording this on an, an an Intel Mac, which I still have as my music production machine, um, partly because of the stability is like it's every nothing. Nothing doesn't work on the Intel or at least from from when I started building it. So it's like a nice stable machine and it works fine for the kinds of things I need to do music wise. Um, but it still will turn on like a rocket and it has horrible battery life and uh, yeah, I'm not editing videos on it, for example, like I, this is purely around like MIDI and, and DAWs and, and recording, um, which it does fine at. And then I look at over my M1 as the my uh, other non-musical machine and it's like, holy crap, this thing runs circles around it and doesn't even break a sweat doing it. <laughs> right. The uh, the smack that I already I said I didn't want to talk about this and I'm going to I'm literally talking about it, but. <laughs> This has it has fans in it. And if mm -hmm. I reach over, I can sort of kind of feel a gentle breeze, uh, a cool breeze, not a hot one, oddly, mm -hmm. coming out the back. And I'm like, wow, that's uh, never been the case for no. the 2019 MacBook <laughs> Pro that I have on Intel again. And I can't keep laughing at it, but I'm, I'm glad that machine existed yes. and it came out when it did, because mm -hmm. um, that was kind of like just this brief moment after a, a series of just pretty 
mm. subpar laptops coming out of Apple mm. to finally grab onto something like that. And it really got me through, uh, especially, you know, like the last four years in the pandemic. Uh, but the the how quickly those fans come on and how hard they blow <laughs> oh, has man. always I, mean, I, 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 I am kind of amused by it most of the time. I won't say I'm ever just sort of like, I hate this thing. It's never been like that, but I'm always like, wow, here we go again. Like these, these, uh, whatever's going on in those Intel cores, like they just can't handle much unless they just really get hot fast. Right. I, I mean, I, I really, one of these days, I really do believe it's just going to lift off of my desk and hover there for a little while. It, it comes on so strongly. Um, but, um, yeah, to your point, like, I'm, I'm glad they, like the one that I have was after it's still the fairly thin keyboard, for example, but it's not like the horrible keyboards where everything was breaking. Like it, not a, not a single key on this keyboard has, has broken. Um, so it works perfectly fine. Like it's a nice sturdy machine. And so I'm very happy that it came around when it did. Um, but man, those M1s, like I've been looking to is like, do I want to get a studio? Do I want to, uh, do I want to get, um, like I've been considering like a Mac mini for um, the piano that I have in the other room, which is a digital, but it's a hybrid piano. So it's got a real piano action, but it still can do MIDI. Um, but it'd be handy just to have like a little Mac mini sitting right next to it. And then I could have something on a monitor for, for, for uh, uh, scores and stuff like the iPads are great, but I find like 12 inches is not enough screen size really for music. Like I'd like a little bit larger. Um, so there's been like thoughts and it's like, okay, well, these M1s, not only are they nice and quiet and fast, um, like the Mac minis are absurdly affordable. Um, even the, the airs are, are decent. So it's like, okay, I have some, some, some decisions to make. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a year where it's kind of fun to be a Mac person again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's definitely gone through hills and valleys over the decades, but I think we're in a place right now where the hardest part is just choosing from a bunch of good ones. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. As long as you avoid, you know, like the, the, maybe the Intel, the, the top of the line Intel Mac pro, like those are still like, I would never have a purpose for those. The hundred, what, what was it? A one and a half terabytes of memory or something like that of Ram, let alone. Um, yeah. Never going to have a need for that. But um, the, all the re- rest of the machines are, are, pretty pretty decent um and some of them like the like the one that you got sounds like it's awful awful impressive so so uh for another time because i don't want to derail us too much and i I know us and if we start digging into the specs of this machine and what i've been doing on it we'll we'll be here (laughs) all day uh which (laughs) wouldn't be a problem for you and i but like at some point we we want to get into our topic yes absolutely um, i thought like you know I saw an announcement mm-hmm. maybe about a week or so ago about this topic, uh, and I, I messaged you, and my message was simply this. I'm so glad I wasn't sitting in meetings to debate whether to call them plugins or add-ons. And I'll just go totally public and be like, as soon as I saw that announcement, uh, that Adobe Express now comes with uh, the ability to extend it with add-ons. That was my first thought was just kind of how the sausage is made. And I'm like, glad I didn't have to have that debate. (laughs) Um, Yes. Um, We, we went round and round. um, Considered literally all the names, like for anyone who's not familiar with Adobe 
and their extensibility platforms throughout the years. We have lots of names for these things. So we have plugins and two versions of the word plugin. There's plug dash in and there's plugin without the dash. Uh, we have the word extension. We have uh, scripts. Like we have all of these, right? Um, and we <laughs> we went and looked and said, okay, we, we actually did some user research, which was amazing. Like it helped in, us in, give us an informed route forward. And we all came to the conclusion that, okay, add-ons is the thing that makes the most sense in this context. Um, it is still inviting for users to try. It is uh, ideally not like a scary thing or a highly technical thing. And yet it still um, covers or, or, or tells the user what it is. Like it's an add-on to the product. So um, it all worked out, but yes, um, Having having worked at Adobe in the past in your past life, um, you 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 know exactly how uh, what the discussions were and how we arrived at that decision. Um, and yes, we, we we got there in the end. But um... <laughs> yeah, so sorry that my first take on this whole thing was just uh, kind of a snark and a text message. <laughs> but I'm super interested in this because I've as a user now. Um, I think we've discussed on a previous episode, like once Adobe Express got this remake or this launch under this brand name, um, whatever the this launch was, initially, I, I almost immediately had a need for Adobe mm -hmm. Express plus some of the AI capabilities that were in there. And it, it just seems like an interesting centerpiece for all of the Adobe ecosystem. It is, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm, you know, kind of, Giggling about the name aside, uh, I, I think that having some extensibility baked in is really exciting. Yet for me, um, I, having spent very little time thinking about this so far, I, I'm just really curious like what the developer play is here and mm -hmm. what, what types of add-ons or you know developer yeah. offerings we would expect to see inside of Express. Yeah, so... Um, uh... For ever, for anyone who hasn't played with Adobe Express yet, it is um, closest analog. If you if you're at, at all familiar in this space, would be like a Canva or a Miro, where you're you've got you're presented with a fairly um, easy, intuitive uh, way to create content at scale, um, and you can then post that on social media. You could uh, share that to various other you know print it out to a PDF and print it. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, ways to, to create content and it's really geared towards, you know, the communication aspect, but it does, it is powered by all the very same technologies that power Photoshop and Firefly and all of, all of these other capabilities. And so it's also really a nice window into here's all the stuff that Adobe does in one place. And you can start to leverage like your Photoshop documents and your illustrator documents and, your library's content, your brand, and all this other stuff. And apologies if this is going to sound like a little bit like an ad advertisement for Adobe Express. Uh, I work for Adobe, so um, <laughs> FYI, um, I'm, a, I'm perhaps biased here, but um, I do think it's really um, an interesting uh, way to get into the Adobe ecosystem, have access to a lot of powerful tools, and do it in such a way that you're not, um, like, it's it's easily accessible. Like, Photoshop is amazing. Um, I still look at that thing and, and I and I may be decent at 10% if I'm lucky, right? Like it's just so powerful and there's so many niche workflows. And if you need that power, that's amazing. And if you don't, 
Like there's Express to, uh, you know, still get your creative juices flowing. And yet it's still powered by the same technologies. So the same kinds of capabilities that you have in Photoshop, that there's portions of it where that engine is running underneath the hood to say like, you know, remove background and things like that is powered by the same kinds of stuff that you would have in Photoshop, which is pretty impressive. And so you have Adobe Express here. Um, and Adobe Express has been around for a little while. Like it's Adobe Express itself is nothing new. Um, it started with, uh, previously was named Adobe Spark, and then it's kind of graduated into Express. And then this new version is the beta of Express technically. So um, we'll see if by the time this goes live, if it's still in beta or if it has just gone GA, um, check, check Adobe or check express.adobe.com and, and that will tell the story right off the bat. Um, but, um, it is available at, at minimum in public beta, and this offers even more functionality than the, than the current version of Express, including add-ons. And one of the things that we realized pretty quickly was, uh, I think this tells the, is a similar story to, to, to like when you have Photoshop and, um, other tools is like Adobe has a lot of resources at, at, available to it and a lot of amazing talented engineers and uh, lots of amazing and wonderful technologies. With all of that said, there's still going to be content and workflows that um, Adobe isn't going to be able to devote all of its time in order to build out, right? Um, you can do maybe what's, uh, you can achieve like 80% and then the idea behind extensibility is fill in some of those gaps, some of those niche workflows, some of those things that um, you know, other developers have you know, their magic and they can bring it along um, and help encourage that. Um, and it's similar to Express, right? Is inside of Express, there's a lot of uh, content available. There's also lots of content outside of the, the Adobe uh, ecosystem that uh, would be ideal to bring into your Express creations as well. So um, there's a whole class of content um, add-ons that um, bring in things like icons and other kinds of uh, parametrically defined content. So um, our good friends from the XD days, Undraw has an add-on in there, which allows you to recolor it at before you bring it in, uh, bring in an asset, you can choose the color of the asset and then put it onto your canvas. Um, so there's all those, all those kinds of things. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, and there's tremendous amounts of content out there. Um, and there's, there's, there's uh, a lot of opportunities there. Um, but there's also storage. Um, so I live in, I, at work, I live in my OneDrive. Um, so there's lots of files in there that like, if I want to do a presentation using Express for, for something at work, I could go the, go the long route and, you know, do, do all the work to do a manual upload into Express the hard way, you know, go to OneDrive, download it, push it onto my, uh, you know, then upload it into Express. Or I could just go straight to the OneDrive add-on, connect to my account, and then literally drag and drop it onto my canvas. So there's there's also those kinds of add-ons that make a lot of sense. And that's a publicly, uh, it's a um, public-facing storage um, uh, provider. So OneDrive, Dropbox, those. But you could also see a world where connecting to a dam or a MAM or an internal system would also make a lot of sense. Um, and so the extensibility lets you bring that kind of capability as well. 
Um, and then the other one, th- it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, there's um, we talked about like static content and storage add-ons. There's of course generative content. Um, so one of the add-ons in there that I have a joy playing with is called Spacefill, um, and it's just generating patterns and it's doing it algorithmically. So like you you never get the same pattern twice. <laughs> Um, but that's super cool. Like that's 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 a, a, a great use case as well. And then you have uh, workflow stuff. So uh, being able to connect it to another system and maybe send out send a, a, a thumbnail to uh, a Trello card or send a version to a print house or you know there's a lot of things like you could send something to um, any number of like notion could be an interesting, you know, idea. There isn't a notion add on, but there's all those kinds of use cases where I have a rendition of my document. I need to send it somewhere else. Um, and the extensibility can be the glue that gets you there. And it may only be part of the workflow, but it still is saving you that time and energy rather than downloading it locally and then going somewhere else and uploading it, you know, that whole little dance. Um, so, that, and that's just the start. That's those are the things that are possible today with Adobe Express add-ons. That's really cool. So if I were to play that back and kind of in categories, I think some of the words that come to mind are things like productivity, workflow, or uh, you know connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know getting things in, getting things out, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes when folks are used to say, for example, if you're someone like me who uses Lightroom to edit their own photos and then post them to Instagram, uh, some of these things might feel like, oh, it could be nice to have, but I'm probably doing okay as is. Mm -hmm. The reality is when you get into real pro creative workflows, having the ability to, you know, the connect all of these apps and systems from Adobe back into where the rest of the business lives is actually really important. So uh, I, I'm always really excited to hear about some of these uh, developers who can come in and, and make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll plus one that if any of the developers want to go in and, and build that uh, Notion add-on for Adobe Express, that'd be super exciting. Wouldn't that be uh, awesome? <laughs> yeah, I've played around with the, the Notion APIs uh, last fall. Um, they're a lot of fun to play with. And um, they've got a, a, if I remember correctly, they have a Slack that you can get into and uh, interact with their folks that support the the Notion APIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like um, all of these things sound really cool. I think the for the most part is roughly what I might have guessed had I thought about it for a bit. But I think things like the generative content is a level beyond what I, I thought would be possible with these APIs. Yeah. And so um, let me uh start with um, the, the the current set of APIs that are available. So um, first off, um, right now, as we speak, the developer platform is in a private beta. So there is a, and I'll put it in the show notes if you want to uh, to, to send in your your interest to join join the, the, the program. Um, you can get in, start building, um, and then um, there's, you know, you you and I have been through this in the past where there's a review process to get something published and all of that that stuff. Um, but the API documentation is out there on the web, public for anyone to look at to, you know, perhaps get their juices flowing now, if, if you know, even before you get join the program. Um, and we intentionally started small. 
um, mainly because we needed to get something, we wanted to get something out the door and give the the 15 or so um, developers who've already shipped add-ons and there's, and um, you can imagine in a cohort of that size, there's more that are still, still building and developing, um, give them time to build that. Um, and so we started with a small set of APIs and it was focused largely around what you just said, uh, getting content in, getting content out, um, and then enough uh, structure and enough infrastructure to do things like authenticate to a, a, a protected resource. So the OAuth flow, for example, into Dropbox or OneDrive or any other of those systems, you need to have a little bit of APIs to make that uh, uh, easy for developers to use and secure. Um, you need, uh, like we added in APIs to make drag and drop uh, as easy as possible because drag and drop on the web is uh, something else already. It's an, and now it's even more further complicated by the fact that you have third-party code running in a sandbox, running in a, an, a, another web app, <laughs> and you have to cross that boundary. That is uh, next-level stuff, and kudos to the, the engineering team who was able to make that possible. Um, so like those bare foundations is what we went out the door with, and, and that um, largely included um, sounds limiting of saying, oh, you can import images and video, and you can export images, video, and PDF. And that sounds like it could be limiting. And yet, the diversity of add-ons that is in the, the marketplace today um, shows that developers are incredibly inventive with all of this. Um, so, for example, there's a an accessibility add-on, a colorblindness simulator, which I love. Um, and it's like, it kind of follows. Yes, if you can do exporting of content, if you can export an image, you could export that, render that image in your panel and then do some little JavaScript magic on it to, to do, you know, change all the pixels. Um, but that wasn't necessarily the original intent. Um, but it's amazing that, that you know, developers will think around, uh, think themselves around obstacles in a way. Um, there's another one that is, um, I, I really love is um, Attention Insight. And it does very similar, it's, except it's not using export to generate content for sharing. It is using it to feed into an AI model that says, here's where your user's eyeballs are looking. And then it gives you back a heat map and says, hey, here's here's what you might want to think about doing to improve the, uh, you know, how users are paying attention to your content. And so even though that those APIs, um, networking, OAuth, drag and drop, content in, and specifically images and video, content out, images, video, and PDF, sound like a really limited set of APIs, and they are, you can still unlock a lot of value um, and still have really impactful add-ons, which I thought was impressive. What's also interesting, and this is history that you and I and a perhaps very small number of humans on the planet may remember, but it's almost a, an inverse set of priorities from the original Adobe XD priorities. Mm -hmm. So you'll recall like, in the early alphas, most of what developers could do with those APIs was really around, um, you know, just to speak in web vernacular, around manipulating the DOM. Yep. Now, of course, you weren't manipulating the DOM, but you were working with the XD canvas and there were, were, there were specific words for that. But, you know, things like, for example, OAuth, you know, it would come up and it's like, oh, yeah, we need to like do that. And uh, or, you know, <laughs> kind of some of those things about like IO and there was 
an initial flavor of that a bit, but like it definitely expanded over time. Or the the UI of the mm. plugins. I mean, you'll recall like the early alpha, there was no there UI. was no UI. Yeah, none at all. And it, yeah, <laughs> I, it was it was really uh, an interesting challenge at the time, and uh, it was it's always fun to be in an ecosystem of developers who are gonna take what's there and just try to do something with it anyways. Uh, my my basic contribution at the time was like, hey, developers, you can build the game of life. Uh, yes. <laughs> and and have it just like, you know, affect a bunch of different rectangles or squares on, on the Adobe XD canvas. But the idea, of course, being that like, you know, you start with a perspective on what these APIs first and foremost need to do mm-hmm. for the users in this context. And yes. I mean, what you described makes a lot of sense. OAuth, networking, IO, and uh, some kinds of like interface things like drag and drop and making that work well. Those sound like what would be the priorities of a typical Adobe Express user. Yeah. And when that's that's really um, key insights, because when we looked at it, it's like we could have gone either direction. And, um, you know, having that level of access into the document model uh, will unlock a tremendous amount of useful things. Um, But um, as I'm positive, you remember from those days, like that API is um, non-trivial. It opens up a lot of um, edge cases that even like I, I think it took us a, a decent while for like even for my brain to understand like where where are some of the stuff places where this will fall apart in the user experience because that com- makes the add-on significantly more complex it, when you're dealing with the user's content like that at a granular or primitive uh, atomic level. Um, but on the also when we were looking at what do people use Adobe Express for, it's communicators and they're generating content to share or publish somewhere else. So. A lot of these cases, you have content that is somewhat, perhaps a little bit more ephemeral in nature is like you're not you're not building out this multi gigabyte Photoshop document that is going to persist for years on end. I am doing things like creating posters and uh, Instagram content and YouTube thumbnails, um, which still doesn't mean that extensibility isn't important. It just means that for a lot of these use cases, what is important is being able to get a lot of uh, content in and out, um, and be able to operate as the glue layer between other services. And so that's why the networking was important. That's why OAuth was important. That's why some of the file formats that we supported were so were were, were uh, needed. Is like you have all these things sitting in um, JPEG and ping format. Like you should be able to pull that in easily. And then drag and drop follows naturally. Is like everything else in Express, everything else that a user is familiar with is drag and droppable it would make sense that add-on should have that too. It'd feel, it'd feel off if that wasn't there, right? Um, and so that's why we focused really where we did is that was the initial set of unlocks that could still bring a lot of value, but also let us build out a platform starting from um, a small initial API surface that we could be sure was high quality, could be sure that um, we trusted that in interacting with the user's content because um, no one would want to see the case of an add-on that you pull an image onto your canvas or have it access to your can to your document and have it blow up your document like even if the content perhaps is a shorter lived or the projects are a little bit smaller maybe like that's still valuable time spent creating <laughs> so you you did this initial set of apis was like 
this gave us something that was a little bit more targeted, but still unlocked tremendous amounts of uh, value, which um, I couldn't be more proud of the developers who have been able to come up with some inventive solutions to even work around some of the APIs that uh, the capabilities that we didn't think that they could do. And yet there, there was one who was, who was doing an export, discarding the results. But you know what that export gets you? It gets you the page size. <laughs> oh, right. So there's, there's, you know, I, I always love seeing what developers can accomplish with the API set that, that we have. That's like, oh yeah, I would never have dawned on me that that would have been a, a doable thing. <laughs> one, one of my favorite from the original generation of XD plugins was uh, the similar type of hack for lack of a better word, but they wanted to sort of skew at an angle, something that was just sitting on a 2d surface. So kind mm -hmm. of take it and, you know, skew it in some direction to make it look 3d and those apis didn't make that possible and i remember we were at an event <laughs> in san francisco <laughs> with these developers and it was kind of like yeah uh well you can't do that yet you could export something and send it to your server do and it do and it then there. bring it back as a <laughs> you know as a as a asset and that would be workable for this and that is indeed what they ended up shipping mm -hmm. so those kind of things are always really fun. Um, and we all know that, you know, a beta of an API or even a 1.0 is not, you know, the full vision of, of where you want to get, but you start somewhere. And mm -hmm. developers who really want to add value to that ecosystem will frequently find ways, very inventive ways, uh, like exporting a document just so you can read the size of it and then read that back to the user. I think that's, that's really creative. Yeah. When I saw that, um, I like, first I was like, how in the world did you manage? And then it's like, Oh, I see. Um, and it's, it, it, it also is like, in like from a PM perspective, it's incredibly, um, helpful from a prioritization aspect is like, yep. It's so important to you that you went through the, and I won't say that the, the API is painful to use. Creating a rendition is incredibly easy in the API surface. Um, it's one call and you've got the renditions back. Um, but you had to go to the additional effort of decoding that image to get the files, to get the image size. And now it's like, the, the hard part is, on one hand, you want to pave those cow paths where necessary, but also, well, there is an own way to do this. So if you have to like... <laughs> pick a thing to do like it, it, it you know that those are always fun things to think about like mm -hmm. which ones which is the right move here <laughs> yeah exactly um and so yeah that's it's um if you look at the documentation and the documentation will be in the show notes um we've got some really excellent documentation um uh, uh the develop developer experience team at uh, on the team has been doing some fantastic work there's videos on how to get started and everything but um like you'll look at the API surface and, and you might go like, oh, that's that's small, that's limited. Like, uh, what could I do that could use it? Well, developers have been doing some pretty pretty wicked stuff with that. Um, and it's it's like sometimes what is it, what is it? Um, like I always like to think back to like retro computing and like, oh, you had a display with four colors or sixteen colors. Um, sometimes limitation um, inspires creativity. Um, <laughs> So um, there, there, there are there's there, there's all sorts of uh, wild way wild things you can do that uh, might just be a little bit more um, out of the, your normal path to accomplish, but it's still doable. So up until now, we we've talked a bit about what Express is, and then the conceptually the kinds of things developers could add to Express, the current priorities of the APIs and, and their capabilities today. 
Um, we, you, you mentioned a little bit about plugins and developers. Um, where I'd like to, us to get before we're mm -hmm. done with this conversation is to talk a bit through the actual user flow. Mm -hmm. And we'll do this mostly for my benefit, because again, I'm uh, everything I'm other than the add-ons exist, everything I know about add-ons, you are telling me in real time. So I want to, I want to try. Uh, but before we do that, uh, are there any other plugins or developers that you'd uh, call out as kind of like from the initial batch that are doing something um, super useful or interesting or, you know, for example, you you have so far called out. Um, there's an accessibility one uh, for uh, for color blindness. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the attention insight one, which does heat AI based heat maps. I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to go download it immediately. Um, and then there's also uh, the Notion add-on, which doesn't exist. Uh, but but that's I would our, love for it to exist. That is our free idea to anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> to Please go build, build that. it. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what's, uh, I'll give full credit to like the business development team, um, that, that I've been working with, um, uh, is that, um, it was intentional to try and come up with as many varied kinds of add-ons for this first cohort as possible. So, um, there is an add-on that, um, th it will sound very similar to an add-on we had for XD, um, called Media Grab. Um, the equivalent in XD would be Mimic, I think was from the original cohort of XD mm -hmm. plugins. And it will basically go out to a website and fetch um, colors and things like that from the website. Now, MediaGram focuses mostly on the assets. It doesn't worry so much about like the CSS or the colors or what have you. But you know what that does enable? Okay, so we don't have a Pinterest add-on. But it can go to Pinterest.com and it can grab the images from your boards. Um, and so I know of uh, at least one person on the team who has used that to go talk to the to use Pinterest and bring content in. Um, so like those kinds of add-ons are like that's not a storage add-on. It's not really a like a a a, a um, curated set of content add-on like an icon set or what have you but it still serves a really useful purpose. Yeah, there, there, there's a word for that. I don't know if you're trying to not use the word. <laughs> the word that comes to mind for me is it's a scraper. Uh, <laughs> and that's awesome. Like, because I, you know, again, like there's, you know, sometimes people can just like react to that word, but like the reality is there are legitimate use cases oh, where yes. you need that. Um, and certainly in our previous conversations around AI, uh, using a chat that can't access the web, not as useful as a chat that can that access can. the web. And so like, you know, if it, and I, I would say that that's probably similar in a lot of different contexts. So being mm -hmm. able to pull stuff like that in, I totally see the value in that. Oh, yes. And it's it's a it's a really slick add on um, what where where this developer went a step further. And I think it's really valuable is um, it doesn't just go and do it once. So like, for example, you can ask it for, for a page and it'll give you all the images. Keep scrolling because if there's links to other content, it will go return those links, which means, um, for example, if you're, if parts of your Pinterest link to other Pinterest, or like say you're browsing a, a stock photo provider that does not have an add-on in, in Express yet, um, you can use that to navigate categories. Like it's, it's almost like a mini browser except it's intending it's a, its main point is for bringing in assets from those pages. That is crazy. Really slick. Yeah. Uh, really well done. Um, 
Another one that I've, I, I, I love this one. Um, it just got out the door. So like it's perfect timing. Clipping Mask Pro um, is uh, number one. It does what it says on the tin. It, it, it makes it easy to import images and clip them to um, a, a shape of, a, a, to a library of shapes. Um, but the thing that I really love about it is that there's a blob maker. What? And what a blob that? maker is exactly what it sounds like. Is like if you had this, you know, gelatinous little um, goo and you threw it against a wall and you get a blob. Um, this will create randomly shaped blobs of varying complexity. And then you can apply that as a mask. <laughs> okay. So wait, uh, let me, because I'm not even sure I understood the how, how clipping and mask come together. But is this one of those things where like, you take an image and clip it against the mask yes. so that you're only like, say for example, you had the letter a and you had a picture of your grandmother. Well, you, I don't know why I said that, but like you could, <laughs> then it's maybe just, her name started with an A. Yeah. Then you just get like whatever portion of the picture of your grandmother overlapped with the A and that's all, mm -hmm. that's all that comes out. So it's like a, an A with certain parts of your grandmother's face in it. Yes. All right. Worst example ever, but like, <laughs> But that's, that's what a perfect. It it, yeah, exactly. That is what it is. Um, and it gives you it comes with a lot of shapes already. Um, and it, ha it does have a free and a premium tier. But like you could uh, one of the examples is they have a star here that you can use for free. You could have uh, the face of a kid and, you know, put the clip, clip it to the uh, use the star as a mask so that you would have your photograph of your kid. But it is in the shape of a star, hmm. um, which is handy all on its own. But the part that I don't know, I. I like fidget toys and I don't know if you um, how much you've played with some of the some of those the squishy ones where mm -hmm. they have all the little protruding, you know, um, I don't even know what to call them. But, you know, stress relievers, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, the blob maker in this thing, which then you can apply to your images as as masks, um, has this wonderful little feature where you can um, set the complexity and you can just click the shuffle button. And the animation on it is so satisfying. It ends up just generating a million different blobs. And I just want to keep clicking this forever. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I, I, for one, look forward to creating highly complex blobs in Adobe Express. I don't Not something I thought that I'd uh, ever think that, you know, I'd want to do. But I'm going to go search, searching for that here. In a what bit. I love about it is that, um, especially in terms of if you think about um, the channels that a lot of this content is aiming at, is it is very much like it's it's not like you could have an image and post it on Instagram and it could just be a, a you know, a square square mask. Um, and it'd be fine. But if you want to have some uh, dyna dynamicism, I, I don't think that's a, quite a proper word, but hopefully you get my I'll point. I'll allow it. Like you want to <laughs> have that um, that uh, almost organic feel. It's 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 in motion. It's got a little bit of energy, you know, where you might use where you might also want to have some brush strokes behind it. Like you get a little bit of visual excitement going on. And this is like one of the perfect tools to do that. Um so I, I, I've been, I have fun with that. I just click, I just open it and click the shuffle button and see what pops out. It's, it's super fun. Um, and like, there's a lot of other ones in here. Every one of these just about has a different purpose. Um, there's one in there that helps you manage your NFTs. Um, if you are into that, um, there's an add-on called Bueno NFT that connects you to various platforms, uh, to various wallets, and you can upload 
uh, creations that you have built in Express and publish them as NFTs. Uh, there is one that helps you mood board called Vision Board. Uh, and this was uh, the, the developer on this was absolutely amazing and blew us all out of the water with how much he created. Um, but arrows and spirals and all these other things that you might want to use for mood boarding um, is super cool. Um, so that's just a little snippet. And there's, yeah, I didn't cover half of them. Um, so I would encourage, uh, dear listener, if any of that sounds interesting to you, go out, go and explore. And then by the time uh, you hear this, there will probably be more there. And for the benefit of dear listener to be able to do exactly that, let's go through the user flow because I, I, I have, yes. uh, currently the URL for the beta is new.express.adobe.com. Yes. Uh, I'm on the top page and no idea what to do from here. So what would I do if I want to start exploring my, my life with add-ons and express? Yeah. So, uh, once you've logged in, uh, to, uh, Adobe Express, you'll be presented with a whole list of uh, what what might you want to what might you want to create. So there's lots of templates that you can already start from. Like you could say, maybe I want to start with an Instagram post or a YouTube post. Um, a lot of these are going to either dump you immediately into selecting from a series of templates, or you can start from scratch. And this is the most important thing: is that on this first page, on the home page add-ons do not yet have any existence. So you won't see the word add-on here. Um, add-ons right now exist only in the context of the editor. So the first thing you're going to want to do is create a new document. Um, <laughs> just because uh, I am, um, for lack of a better uh, term, um, take the path of short, you know, least resistance, I have a lot of files in my, my uh, explorer here that are Instagram square posts <laughs> because it is literally like the first one where it's like you can hover over the Instagram square post in the suggested list and there's a create from scratch button, but there's also a plus button up in the upper left-hand corner that lets you say, oh, kind of like what kind of thing do I want to create and what size do I want to create it with? I don't have the plus button. So when I uh -oh. hover over it, it says create from scratch and browse templates. Yes. I, I I guess There's I a to... plus button uh, further up on the top left of the web page. Oh, that oh, plus button. There, okay, so there's cool. multiple ways to start. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. So how do you do it? I'm going to follow your I'm going to follow your trail here and so see if I, I can... just go Instagram square post and click create from scratch. Oh, gotcha. Okay, done. And so this is going to give me a blank piece of content um, and it will be in the, the rough size of an Instagram post. Um, and on the left hand side, you're going to see a series of um, uh, tabs, um, search your stuff, templates, media, text, elements, and add-ons. And then you'll have the search panel up, which is kind of like your, uh, your way into most of the Adobe content. So you can search for Adobe stock, you could search for videos, you could search for um, icons and things like that. Um, and then over on your right-hand side, you will have your canvas. So that will, that should, uh, if you're familiar at all with XD or Canva or Miro or any of these others, um, the, the canvas will make, uh, will be very familiar to you. Um, and you can uh, start and create, you know, you could go start uh, searching for templates and you could add a template to your page. You could go search for a photo and add that to your page, for example. Um, but um, that's where it'll, st that's where it will start you out on. Um, Something that 
for uh, uh, for you, I don't know how much you use libraries, um, but if you go under your stuff, you'll also have access to all of your CC library content in there as well. So you can get access to your CC storage um, files. So if you've got any Photoshop files stored, you can pull those into Express. Um, if you've got brands and libraries, you can also pull all that content into Express, uh, which is really handy um, if you've got any um, cloud documents uh, floating around out there. Um, but I'm just going to go over to the add-on section. And so this is the uh, seventh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. I have to count. Um, uh, seventh tab on the at the bottom there. Um, and you will be shown a panel on the left that says add-ons. And it will probably say at the very top, you currently have no add-ons installed. And then there will be a discover section. And here's a whole list of interesting add-ons for you to peruse. Um, and right now there's, uh, I think they're in uh, most recently released or most recently updated order. Um, there will eventually be ways that you can control the sort order of this. But if you want to play with one, you can click on one. So I'm just going to click on vision board. Okay. I, I might do clipping mask pro just as oh, let's do clipping mask. Yeah. By, by the way, I, I just want to, I'm going to call out that like when I was using Adobe express for something like in real life, not too long ago, getting, getting a certain type of document into Adobe express proved pretty challenging for reasons that I don't recall or, and also exporting. I, I had some IO issues. I, I see a plugin here that says loading bay and it's Yo. just like, oh, it says like, yeah, that yes. already sounds really promising and oh, might, yes. might have been very useful for the thing I was running into. Uh, it may very well have been. Um, loading Bay, I love the name, number one. I love the name yeah, Loading Bay. That is a great name, it's isn't a, it? It's a great name. It does exactly what uh, I think you're thinking. is like it, it, it enables you to import and export more file formats than Express does natively. Um, and it, it's, it's really slick. Um, so yeah, once you click on one of those, um, you'll be presented with a listing page. Um, so there's screenshots at the top um, that you can navigate through. Um, and then you can read the description. There's some release information about it. And then at the bottom of that page will be an add button. Um, just like with the name add-on, uh, the, that, that was discussed in terms <laughs> of what do we call that thing? Oh. Because, <laughs> because we're on it. the web now, right? Is like on XD or on the desktop. It's, it's, a, it's, it's obvious. Call that thing install. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But we're on the web. There's nothing. All of this stuff is just a link <laughs> to an add-on. There's no locally installed files on your machine. So we went round and round on that. It's like, do we call it install? Do we call it add? What else do we call it? And add is what we settled on because we didn't want to send the implications like, oh, you're downloading files to your local machine and that's going to be technical and maybe it will go wrong. And so we finally settled on add because... There's technically nothing getting installed at this point. It's just linking you with that. You want to add this to your list. <laughs> Don't you love it? How sometimes like a uh, three letter word on a button can trigger, uh, you know, hours and hours worth of meetings and documents created. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing. I think it's awesome. The, the, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you meant that. So, the, uh, <laughs> but but I think, you know, uh, the the way that you explain that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and for what it's worth, I mean, I, when I saw the ad button, I didn't have a question in my mind as to 
you know, should I do this or what will it do when I do that? Like it just made sense. So, uh, but either way, I think the, the, the way that you're communicating the logic behind that uh, really lands for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and we wanted, like, we wanted to make sure that users, um, cause I, and I don't think most users have problems necessarily installing things on the desktop either, but there is always that little bit of like the desktop is for, for as amazingly powerful as it is, it is also an environment that is fraught with challenges when you're trying to put files on that user's machines, like permissions could be wildly different and unexpected. And how many times then how, how do you help a user through that? And like, I, I mean, I have the utmost respect for uh, Adobe support or any support um, out there who can help users troubleshoot problems on their computer and like, oh, it, maybe your permissions are messed up here. Go fix this, that, the other. Um, and it's like, okay, how do you communicate that, you know, if you've had a problem with install or downloading things to your machine in the past and are a little bit wary of doing that, that you don't have to do that here. There's none of that involved. Feel free to just try it because it's not making any changes to your machine. Um, this is just saying that you want to add this to your list of things. Um, so um, that was that was a lot of the logic that went behind it. Okay, cool. Um, and I go in, I went and added it, and I had this fun first run experience that is pretty cool. Uh, I it's almost struggle to start asking questions at this level of depth, but like it's pretty neat that they have... Uh, uh, like a guided tutorial inside on, on first yes. run. Is that because being on the web gives them access to do things like this or is that UXP specific? Ah, great question. Um, so number one, the technology behind all of this is not UXP. Um, what? It is. <laughs> so internally we have this acronym called WXP, which, um, <laughs> is not, is not in the branding or in the doc, shouldn't be in the documentation anywhere. Um, so like, it's, it's not like the name for the platform, but it, it's short for web extensibility platform, just like UXP was unified extensibility platform. But the catch here is, um, the operating environment, even though we made UXP, intending to feel very familiar to anyone who knew HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. The operating environment on the web is one, it's all of those things natively. So we really didn't need UXP to do things like bring UI. Mm. What you're seeing on the right-hand panel when you launch your add-on is an iframe. And oh. so you have the full power of whatever a framework, you know, that you could imagine using React, Vue, blah, um, the developers are using Spectrum web components. So Spectrum is Adobe's design language and Spectrum web components is the open source version of that. Um, and there is a theme that looks, mimics the express theme very closely. And that's the one that they're using, but it's all web tech. So there, we didn't have a need for a rendering engine or anything like that, which is, how do I phrase this? Uh, maybe 75% of the complexity of UXP is custom Flexbox layout modules and custom CSS parsers and um, a whole, you know, a whole set of library routines for drawing um, controls on a desktop uh, applications canvas. Um, and none, we don't have to worry about any of that. What we do still have to worry about, though, is bridging the gap between 
the host application, in this case, Adobe Express, and the add-on. And so everything still does have to be sandboxed. Um, thankfully, the iframes, like the web uh, ecosystem has matured to the point where like, it's pretty easy to tell an iframe to be sandboxed, which right. is nice. So we didn't have to, to do a whole lot of stuff there. Um, the challenge was how do you com communicate across the sandbox? And so you've already got this interesting world where like just about everything you're doing behind the scenes is, is asynchronous when you're talking to the host application, which we didn't have in UXP. In fact, that was one of the things we intentionally went, went away from is like, we wanted to say like, if you're talking to the Photoshop Dom, you can treat it. Uh, you can do it just sequentially. You don't have to think about asynchronous generally for most things, unless you're hitting the network or saving a file. Um, but like you could, you could, you could talk to a, a document element and immediately do something with it and send it back. Like you didn't have to worry about callbacks and promises and all that stuff on the web you do. <laughs> and so there was enough differences there that UXP, like if we brought it over, it, it, 90% of what it was doing was already done by the web or the iframe anyway, or the UI. And everything else was new territory. So we did not bring UXP over. Um, on the flip side, if you know UXP and you're using web views in UXP, now the stuff starts to look a lot more familiar because um, you might have your UI sitting in the web view. There's a little bit of a message handler that's talking back to the host app. Um, and those kinds of things are still, that's how the iframe is working. Behind the scenes, there's a message handler that's communicating back to the host app and telling it what the user's trying to do or what the add-on's trying to do. And so everything you see on that right-hand panel is web tech. Web tech, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and you can do just about everything that you can do in a sandboxed iframe in here. And I say that sandboxed iframe because that is important. Um, because I bet you didn't imagine, <laughs> this is this is one of the, the funniest things that I never thought I would ever come across in a web app, is on on UXP on the desktop, every app, every plugin had a null origin, which was always fun when you had to communicate to a server. Because um, cores, uh, cross origin resource sharing would always come in to have, have some interesting effects. Well, guess what? Sandboxed iframes have null origins. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, cores is fun, um, and I put fun in quotes. Uh, we think we have a way around that um, in the future. Um, but right now, that does make it a little bit challenging to talk to remote resources unless you can just allow list uh, everything. Um, but um, those are the things that I would never like. It's the web. Of course, you'll be able to do it. Cores will work just out of the box, not if you're a sandbox iframe. Um, but all of that to say is that your UI, your, your HTML skills, your CSS skills, your JavaScript skills um, transfer into this um, perfectly. So like you don't have to worry like is React supported or is this version of React supported? Is this version of Vue supported or is this particular CSS property? What you do have to worry about is supporting all the supported browsers out there. <laughs> So unlike UXP, where you were targeting a singular environment for the desktop, when you're building an add-on, now you're targeting Safari and Chrome and Firefox and Edge and all the last two major versions of all of those. And Opera. And, and Opera. <laughs> who knows what else? I have someone on my team who is, he's like the user of Opera, apparently. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> It's kind of nice to have those folks. Like I'm usually, I think you and I were often like, 
the users of Safari on yep. any given project. And it's like, hey, this doesn't work on Safari. And people are like, doesn't work on what? Um, <laughs> right. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And so that does add complexity um, because now you're a web developer again. You're not a plugin developer. You're, I mean, you are an add-on developer for Express, but you are having to worry about, I may be operating in multiple environments. Um, and we actually came across the weirdest bug. Um, this is this is the, the most annoying thing. Um, and it's a Safari bug, unfortunately. So Safari developers, if you're listening, please fix. Um, there's, uh, as you can imagine, color pickers um, feature in several of these add-ons. Um, and wouldn't you know it, but there's not a, like there's a native element for HTML for a color picker, which is awesome. So it's really easy to build a color picker. And it's really easy to build a nicely styled one. Um, and so all of our developers did that, which was awesome. Um, and then we started hearing from a few few users, it doesn't work. Like I can pick all the colors I want and it doesn't do anything. It just returns black. And it turns out that there is a specific configuration of Mac OS. Um, I think it's if you've got like disabled animations and high contrast. It's, it's, it's a mix of a couple things. I'd have to go back and look at it. Maybe I'll get it in the show notes. Um, if you have that turned on Safari's color picker, color picker breaks. Wow. And I mean, what <laughs> it's a... the weirdest possible set of combinations. <laughs> like what in the, how, how does it break it? Like, I don't understand how it breaks. It still shows up. You can pick a color. It just won't return it. That's, I mean, just, Imagine trying to, you know, you can see how possibly something like that gets past QA. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like this very unlikely combination of uh, knobs and switches that <laughs> result in some other thing like getting a side effect that's, uh, you know, unexpected. But wow, uh, what a thing. And I, I'm sure that was fun to try to troubleshoot and get to the bottom of because I guess usually if someone tells me it doesn't work on their machine i don't start by asking do you have disable uh, disable animations off or are you using a contrast mode well and it would never have occurred to me it's like i was going like i i was honestly confused it's like no one else has complained it works on my machine it works on everyone else's machine we've tried it on and then i started um we both uh, all of us were digging on on the web and you know that one of those posts, um, I, I think I saw a, um, a, a tweet about it recently of uh, where um, you're Googling for something and you come across like that one post, that 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 lonely user and they're they're posting like they had this problem and then maybe like, oh, solved. And then it's like, how would you fix it? Like, I, I need to know, like, I, I but I'm having so there, much empathy a, for that user. Yeah, there is an XKCD about yes. this very thing that I will attempt to dig up. But I think, we, I think we all know which one it is. <laughs> that thing is exactly there is a there is a Apple support forum, forum post out there that describes the problem. And thankfully, it had the solution. And I looked at the solution. And I'm going, there is no freaking way that this is going to fix the problem. And it does. And it's like, uh, okay, great. Like, I'm, I'm, fan I'm so happy that it exists out there. But it's like, because um, otherwise, would never have figured it out. Like, it's, it's, it's a specific setting. You have to go into terminal and do a default write to turn it off. <laughs> um, but um, it is at least out there on the web. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, if there's a way to link to that, that'd be really cool just to see. I, I, I put the 
being very helpful. I put the XKCD in. It is Beautiful. number 979. Thank you very much. But uh, that doesn't get anybody anything. So like if uh, if you have any information on the actual color picker bug, uh, that'd be really cool. Just to I- I'd love to poke into it just to see what little information might be out there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I will dig that up because um, it is uh, it is important for users of add-ons to know if you're trying to do you something and it has a color picker and it doesn't work, uh, turn the setting off and it will suddenly spring to life. Um, and it only impacts you if you're using Safari, Chrome, Firefox, all the other browsers will be fine. Um, but if you are like Ash and I <laughs> who use Safari as their daily driver, um, worth, worth being aware of. And so in true, I'd rather be scripting fashion. I, I derailed this monumentally. I, we were trying to stay in user space. I opened up literally the first <laughs> add-on that I ever opened and had a question about how the developer did that. Uh, so, oops. And also, I'm really glad we did that. Uh, but I want to pull us back into user yes, space. user space. Sec. So um, to remind us where we were, um, you know, you if you're going to try add-ons in Adobe Express, you, you go into make a new asset a new blank asset in this case gary and i both just picked starting a new square instagram post from scratch when you do that you're in the canvas editing mode and on the left hand side there's a nav that starts with search and your stuff and so on at the bottom uh the last one there is add-ons you click that you get sort of like this list of available add-ons Pick one that you think is interesting. I went with Clipping Mask because I wanted to play with the blob. And uh, I went ahead and clicked the Add button. And uh, immediately, that is where I derailed us into developer (laughs) land again. Um, But back here in user space, uh, what happened was that once I installed it and opened up the add-on, which I don't recall doing, but I guess like that you get a list of things that say once you have, I, I used that word, didn't I? Yes. I said install. You said install. Ah, <laughs> what I meant was add. I said add. I know I did. Um, you can't prove otherwise. So if you, I clicked add and then that is the first time that at the top of the add-ons uh, menu on the left hand mm-hmm. side, there become, there's a section that says your, your add-ons, add-ons and it shows like which ones I have added yes so because <laughs> i was about to say that again oh so uh okay so <laughs> there i have clipping mask and i i presume i just clicked that and then it pops up like on the right hand side of the canvas mm-hmm. my working space for the plugin and from there whatever your plugin that you added to adobe express that's where you do the stuff is that like a, a hard and fast rule at the stage about add-ons is like you have that sort of area on that iframe on the right hand side, and that's where the user mm-hmm. interacts with the plugin. Yeah, for the moment. So this is very much like again the opposite of how I did it for XD back in the day. Like first it started with no no UI, then we added dialogues to XD as a as an insertion point, and then we added panels. We did it the reverse. We started with panels. Um, mainly again, because of the, the very, the same reasons that we limited, uh, had import in and con- or content in and content out APIs is because if you're browsing media, you probably want to drag it to your canvas and dragging it from a dialogue is going to suck. Like, how <laughs> do you do that? It's blocking your canvas. Hmm. So it's like panels was the most obvious thing. It's like, okay, we got to start with a panel. Um, 
And that's not to say that that's where necessarily everything will live in the future. But for now, that's where all where add-ons live. Um, it's a similar kind of paradigm if you're in Adobe, if you're familiar with a lot of Adobe products with the commenting feature, where the commenting panel sits over on the right-hand side of the canvas. Add-ons happen to live there now, too. Okay, cool. Um, and the rest of it for Clipping Mask was incredibly self-explanatory. I just went through and I added an image. And then I, uh, if you stay in the Clipping Mask tab inside of the add-on, um, you can just try a bunch of different uh, masks that are available to you and just kind of click through and play with the positioning a bit uh, to get what you want. And then once you do, you click add and then boom, it's on the canvas uh, mm -hmm. in Adobe Express. Yeah, it's the the developer of this um, and the design team at Adobe. Um, if you remember back when we did this for XD, there was a lot of um, gui help, helpful guidance to developers um, in terms of how to make it a, a great user experience for moment one. Um, and so in the developer and design at Adobe uh, came up with uh, this this pattern and it's 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 really easy to use you you get in there click your image click your uh, mask click add and there it is um and um it makes it really really fun to be able to create um, all sorts of things the blob maker that i was having so much fun with if you look at the top there's a tab and if you click blob maker um and to to really get the most effect you need to move the edges slider up to like 19 or 20 um, and then just click shuffle on it and watch that gorgeous little animation. Uh, yeah, it's, I, uh, as we've been talking, I'm just clicking that over and over again. <laughs> so I'm finding that for me, it's funnest to take the edges to 20 and the size to two, and then just kind of play around. The yes. other interesting thing is if you take those sliders before you hit shuffle, right? Like you're going to adjust the settings it'll get into some like really like splattery shapes. Um, just kind of, so like if I have edges at 20 and then I'm just going to take the slider and go from two to seven and then back down again and just kind of splats. It's really cool looking. And then once you hit shuffle again, you get really, yes. um, uh, just kind of like a, a really dynamic effect of the animation. Um, which is totally not the point of this thing at all, but your 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 fidget toy comment is totally it's, on point. It's it's so good, and, and I'm laughing because somehow I've managed to convince it randomly to create what looks like a duck's footprint. Um, <laughs> oh, you got to save that as one of your masks. You got to do yes. it before it goes away. I'm I'm going to have to add it to my mask library, um, but it's uh, yes, it, it is it is so cool, um, and. Um, this one, um, this one uses the add straight to canvas. Um, so you haven't had a chance to actually test the drag and drop functionality. Several of the other add-ons also will have pure full on drag and drop that where you can just take it from the canvas and move it over, or take it from the panel and move it to the canvas as well. Um, which is really a natural intuitive action to use. Super cool. Well, uh, so we kind of went through basically all of it i mean you know without getting into the weeds of the apis um like name by name but i i like that we were able to kind of cover what this application is for users uh talk about like the possibilities that developers can like work with today talk about the apis as they are today and um, what the prioritization was that led to that and then get into like some highlights of 
what some of the plugins are and what some of the developers are doing today. Um, and then kind of play around in user flow and even get to talk about some Safari bugs along the way. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that's a full day if ever there was one. So I, I this is like super fun. And I feel really lucky that <laughs> I got to get the, the the full tour from one of the people that was like, you know, made this whole thing happen. Uh, and so this is really awesome. But con- congrats to everybody that's been working on this, I assume. I know a number of them uh, and then some of them I may not, but like this is, I'm sure this is a really fun thing to work on. And um, as a uh, new user of Adobe Express and one who actually has some real world use cases for it these days, uh, I'm really excited to know that there's going to be a developer ecosystem (laughs) supporting the growth of this product. Yeah, uh, it's, it has been super uh, rewarding. Um, there, I mean, just 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 talking about the, that one Safari bug, like you can imagine the complexities of this, like building an extensibility platform on the web. Uh, it, it's hard enough on the desktop. It's hard on the web um, with its own unique challenges. But um, the 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 people at Adobe and the developers um, both have been absolutely amazing in terms of building unique add-ons, but also building out the, the foundations and um, coming up with innovative solutions that I would never have imagined, but um, it's been it's been wonderful to see how it all has come together, um, and I cannot wait to see like where it will go in the future. Because if developers, if I know anything about developers, it will come up with the most interesting ways to accomplish a solution to a problem, and that's intended to be a compliment. Um, I can't, I can't, I, like there will be things out there that I know that um, I, I will never have imagined. Um, any of us will have imagined them coming up with. And that's always, that's always so fun. It's like, ooh, new add-on to look at. And it's blowing my mind. Like that's, I, I, I live for those days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is why we all do it, right? Whether it's on the, you know, hacking and development side of things and coming up with the stuff or, you know, like where you and I work a lot, which is in the space of enabling uh, an ecosystem of developers to come and kind of build their own paths to making awesome things for users. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So I'm sure this has been an exciting moment. I think you you briefly referenced something that you yep. were working on <laughs> uh, on a podcast not too long ago. And I said, I won't push you on it and I'll just wait and see. And I, I'm this guessing is this is one of those things anyways. And yes. wow, it's really cool. So congrats. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess it's a time like this where I get to sit here and play with the blob maker all day, but I've got to remember <laughs> that I'd rather be scripting. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'd Rather Be Scripting. If you love scripting, terminals, Z shell, JavaScript development, and other random technology tangents as much as we do, we'd love to hear from you. You can always leave a review on your preferred podcasting platform, or you can reach out to us via the social links on our website, I'dRatherBeScripting.com. Until next time, I'd Rather Be Scripting.